Hey everyone, here we are for episode 4 of our Napod Pomo journey, which is taking us mile by mile down the longest street in Chicago, Western Avenue. So how are you feeling? <laughs> Hopefully you're feeling good and still with me. Uh, if you were up late like me watching the ongoing results of the election last night, you might be a little tired, so we'll keep it light and airy today. So in this one mile stretch of Western Avenue, going from 103rd to 95th Street, there are two places particularly I want to talk about. One on the strip, the other a few blocks off. So the first is a few blocks off of Western at 10134 South Longwood Drive, and that is St. Barnabas Catholic Parish. If you're using Google Earth like me, I'll give you a couple seconds to go ahead and put that address in. It should zoom you on in there. And then, like I told you before, if you're using 3D, you can kind of get a good look at the building, the contour and the surrounding area. I've actually been to St. Barnabas. I attended an event uh, last year there entitled You Are My Neighbor. It was an ongoing speaker series that the church hosted that addressed various social issues. Uh, the one I attended was focused on violence prevention. The featured speaker was Father Greg Boyle from Homeboy Industries. According to their website, Homeboy Industries provides hope, training, and support to formerly gang-involved and previously incarcerated men and women, allowing them to redirect their lives and become contributing members of our community, and operates in Los Angeles, California. If you're not familiar with Homeboy Industries, uh, go to the episode notes and check them out. What they do is nothing short of amazing, and it was, it's one of those programs I wish we had here in Chicago. Other speakers at the event included Jamal Cole from My Block, My Hood, My City, Tamara Manasa of Mothers Against Senseless Killings or Mask, and Father David Kelly of Precious Blood Ministry of Reconciliation. I thought the event was amazing and was a strong stand to be made about issues of race, violence, and social justice, particularly to be made by a religious congregation, and I deeply respected that stance and was so happy uh, that I was able to be there. So huge shout out to anyone over there at St. Barnabas, as well as all of those amazing organizations that I just mentioned. I tip my hat to all of you. So St. Barnabas has been a pillar of this community since the early 1900s, and we are still standing in Beverly. According to the St. Barnabas website, in the early days of this community, a sparse Catholic population extended from 87th Street on the north to the city limits on the south. Uh, the few Catholic families that attended Mass in the Longwood Convent Chapel uh, until the first parish, St. Margaret of Scotland, was started in the early 18, 18, uh, 1880s. In 1923, the parish was divided. George Cardinal Mundelein, uh, then Archbishop of Chicago, appointed the pastor of St. Margaret's, Father Timothy, Timothy D. Hurley, to organize the new parish. This would go on to become St. Barnabas. You have to remember that Catholics were a minority at that time, and many of their neighbors did not readily accept a new Catholic parish. Father Hurley uh, was actually prevented from breaking ground on the site that was chosen for the new church. Uh, neighborhood residents had successfully petitioned the city to turn uh, the land into a park, which is now known as Hurley Park, which is one block north of St. Barnabas, if you want to scroll and check that out. 
but undaunted, the Irish-born clergyman authorized the purchase of a parcel of land where the current church is located. Across the street, a large old Victorian home was bought and used as directory. And on, on this land, the construction of a combination church and school began. Uh, construction was actually finished by the end of the year. And then at five o'clock, Christmas morning of 1924, Father Hurley celebrated the first mass in the new church, assisted by Fathers Mulligan and Dolan. So St. Barnabas Parish and School continued to grow along with the Beverly community as more Catholic families entered the neighborhood. The church has gone through a number of pastors over the years, and then on October 7th, 2017, the church installed Father Jim Donovan as their seventh pastor, and to my knowledge, the current pastor. So, let's stroll on up to 898th Street, and we can come up to this large plot of land that is the current Evergreen Plaza Shopping Center, but was formerly the Evergreen Plaza Shopping Mall, or simply, the Plaza. I'll give you a chance to like scroll around so you can kind of see what's there now. I'm a huge fan of Raising Cane's, which is there uh, on the property. But uh, the plaza was built in 1952 by Chicago real estate tycoon Arthur Rubloff on the southwest corner of 95th Street and Western Avenue. It first opened as an outdoor mall. It included the fair store, Carson Peary Scott, which was the last remaining anchor store in the plaza when it still existed, and actually became one of the first anchor stores in this new shopping center that exists today. Lightens and Walgreens were the other stores. Uh, the Walgreen family, which lived in Chicago's Beverly community, is said to have provided uh, financing for the project. The mall doubled in size by 1963, the fair store was sold to Montgomery Ward, and a Chaz A. Stevens store opened. Two movie theaters opened near the mall in 1964. Evergreen Plaza was enclosed as of May 1966. Now, this development was historic uh, in that it was the first indoor suburban mall in the nation and the second indoor mall in the United States overall. The other one was in an urban area, and that was Edna, Minnesota, laid claim to having that first indoor mall in 1956. There were 155 stores inside Evergreen Plaza at its peak, most of them upscale, offering modern ladies wear that the girls of the era considered groovy. Groovy, baby. But anyway, <laughs> uh, car traffic often during the Christmas season would go bumper to bumper from 95th Street to 107th Street. Uh, in, in newspaper articles, Evergreen Park Mayor James Sexton was noted as recalling Santa Claus being helicoptered into the mall. And for thousands of children, this mall was the first place that they got to sit on Santa's lap or were introduced to the Easter Bunny. I was one of those children. Over the decades, the mall hosted the Beverly Area Planning Association Snowflake Ball, which featured large snowflakes hung from the ceiling of washing white lights. And then at one time, Evergreen Plaza provided 96% of the revenue for Evergreen Park. Evergreen Park uh, being the community, the, the neighborhood to the west of where we are right now. If we go to the east, we're in Beverly. If we go to the west, we're in Evergreen Park. I know, I know. 
confusing. <laughs> but if you scroll back on the map, you'll see those community names. And like I told you before, if you click on them, it'll show you the boundaries of those communities. And then uh, sometimes it will even give you a little historic information. Now, Rubloff, uh, who coined the term the Magnificent, Magnificent Mile to describe Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, he was a frequent visitor to Evergreen Plaza, and it was often said that it remained one of his favorite developments. So unfortunately, Evergreen Plaza, the plaza, began a long, slow decline during the 1980s. By that time, uh, Montgomery Ward went out of business and uh, the mall's upscale boutique shops were replaced by dollar stores, nail shops, hair salons, and other things that you might have maybe found on city streets or in strip malls rather than in a big, large mall like the plaza. More than half of the mall space remained vacant by this time, and then the movie theaters and the parking garage that served there were demolished. Uh, the Evergreen Theater had up to, it started with two screens and moved up to six screens over time. Uh, very, very true and sordid story was that a, a friend's mom was taking us to see the movie Boys in the Hood at uh, Evergreen Theater when unfortunately there was a shooting in proximity to the mall, and we ended up not seeing that movie. And I ended up seeing it later, probably with my sister and likely at Fort City Mall, which had by that time uh, opened up its own kind of like multi-screen theater. So they eventually tore down the old Evergreen Plaza uh, from May 2015 to the fall of 2017 to make way for the new shopping center, which sits there today and is huge and robust with tons of various stores and eateries. Uh, when the quarantine first started, I actually had to go to the Verizon, as you'll see there on the map, uh, because when I started working from home, I had to upgrade <laughs> my uh, Wi-Fi. And so I had to go to the Verizon store and get a new Wi-Fi hub and everything. But I was very thankful that this Verizon store was here because in my area, it was the only one that was open at the time. And if you check the episode notes, there will be a link to photos so you can see what the plaza actually looked like when it existed. Uh, a lot of photographers went and took pictures. Uh, so if you even Google it, you'll find tons of them. Um, and some of them were pictures like in mid uh, demolition. So you can kind of see some of those uh, photos as well. So me, I have so many memories of the plaza as a kid. Uh, as I mentioned before, there were, there were uh, that's where my parents would take me to see Santa Claus, to see the Easter Bunny. The plaza was where I got my ear pierced. Uh, and that was on a trip with my sister when I was a teenager. Uh, and also, this was the movie theater that me and my family would always go to. I have so many memories of this place. And so that brings us to 95th Street. Uh, there used to be a Jamba Juice right across from us on the east side of Western, just off the corner. Unfortunately, that closed down a few years ago. Otherwise, I'd say, let's go get a smoothie. <laughs> but that's how the cookie crumbles. And uh, tomorrow, though, we'll get to visit one of my favorite ice cream places in the city. So I'm super excited about that. So thank you for listening and for joining me on this Napod Pomo challenge and journey. I'm holding strong. I hope you are too. And um, all right, that's it. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, share, rate, and review. Got it? All right. Also, check us out on social media and check the Off The Beaten Podcast website. It's offthebeatenpodcast.com. And all of those links are in the episode notes. Thank you for listening. I will see you all tomorrow. Peace. Be well. Be well.